Good afternoon. This is Bob Brooks, host of the Prudent Money Radio Show. Today, I had John Apollo on the program. What a blessing it is to have him as a regular con- uh, contributor. Uh, knows more th- about uh, college uh, college admissions and the way the whole system works than anybody that's out there. Uh, and uh, we get to listen to uh, what he has to say on on a monthly basis. Today, we're talking about all the changes with the FAFSA form everything that you need to know. Normally, that is ready to go in October. And and if you're a senior in high school, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of confusion going on. In fact, he's going to, he's rolling out a webinar here pretty soon that we'll get more information out about. Uh, But that's what we talked about today. Talked about, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but talked a lot about what's going on with student loans and the the, the resumption of uh, payments. And so I think it's a lot of really good information. Also, if you have any questions for me, you can go to prudentmoney.com, info at prudentmoney.com. If you have any concerns about what's going on with the markets and your investments, be happy to give you a second opinion. Always the uh, first uh, 30 minutes of a consultation are no cost, so uh, we can schedule that and get you on the schedule to talk a little bit about that and uh, help you out if if, uh, there's something we can do for you. So that's all at the website, prudentmoney.com. Keep the faith. Hey, everyone. This is Greg Laurie of A New Beginning, heard daily on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR, Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, student loan payments started up again. How is that process going? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Good afternoon. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, student loan payments starting up again. More discharge programs. What is the latest? Today, uh, Prudent Money contributor and college admission expert John Apollo is here to give us an update and, and tell us what we need to know. John, what's going on today? Hey, good afternoon, Bob. How are you? I'm good. You know, there's uh, not a shortness of craziness uh, to talk about. Uh, <laughs> every time uh, you, you come on the program, it didn't take me very long to put uh, to put a program together because there's just there seems to be so much uh, going on with student loans. Uh, let's talk. Let's start there and talk a little bit about student loan payments. They've started up again, so I, I think it was. You correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I thought it was October first. How is that process going? I mean, what have you been hearing? I know that you're you're in contact with a lot of people. What's the what's what's going on with this? Yeah, Bob, it, it's kind of like Happy New Year after a three and a half year hibernation. Because yeah. you're right, October one. You know, this all started back in March of 2020, right at the time of the pandemic, and. Uh, kept kicking the can down the road, and the, finally the can hit the side of the curb on October 1, and it's not going down the road anymore. So um, I, I'm uh, I'm glad that we're finally having this day. It is a new year and a new day. 
And the question you're asking is the right one, and, and there's not an answer yet. Um, you know, what, what happened on October 1st? Well, we know what happened on September 1st. On September 1st, interest started accruing on loans again. And so this way, on October 1st, the pay, first payments were due. So something really interesting, I, I've uh, spent the month of September on the road going to all kinds of various different conferences, uh, talking about student loans, the repayment, the restart, forgiveness, all these, all these topics. And one economist had a really interesting chart the middle part of September, and he said uh, and showed uh, with data from the United States government that the absolute uptick in student loan repayments started in August or July of this year. They had a massive inflow of payments on the 1st of August, during the month of August. And he said, you know, this shows that student loan borrowers are pretty smart. There was no interest and no payment required. And so during that time when nothing was due, about 11% of the student loan borrowers were actually making their payments. And then sure enough, in August this year, just before the interest started to kick in again, they had a massive spike in the amount of payments that they received at the Department of Treasury. And they're saying, well, you know, why is that? And one or two things happened. Um, and most likely what happened is that the students – knowing this, had been squirreling some money away, and they prepaid a whole bunch of their loans. Or some of the smarter students also said, you know what, I'm going to have to start in, in October. I might as well get another month in, under my belt. I have some cash. I'm going to start making this payment. But it, literally, the month of August, they collected about five times the amount of student loan payments than they received in all the, the last year combined. Mm. Uh, so it, it's really pretty remarkable. Yeah, you know, yeah, it really is. I, I don't know really how much you uh, the credibility. So let me say that I don't really know what the credibility of a lot of these surveys and studies and things that come out. I know we we talked last month about a very high percentage of student loan borrowers were considering defaulting on their loans. We talked about that. Uh, one study that came out just recently uh, said a, another two thirds agree repayments will significantly significantly affect their ability to save for retirement. And, and I'm almost beginning to wonder a little bit if this is really accurate of the typical student loan borrower if things are as bad as, as the media makes them out to be. What, what, what is your, your feel about it? Yeah, I I think that your intuition is right, Bob, and I'll tell you why. So, you know, here we are around October 1st, and so the New York Times runs the article that you're expecting student loans are going to start, and so they found two borrowers, said, you know, what does this mean for you? So one of them, um, a woman, had $75,000 in outstanding debt, and I want to say that that's two times the national average of what she had, and they said, well, what are you going to do? And her response was, well, I'm going to have to cut down on my fund budget and maybe not have so many Christmas presents this year. But okay, until so later on in the article, they came to a 55-year-old. Listen to this, Bob. This is why you're on this with the media sound bites. This teacher, high school teacher, math and science teacher, 55 years old, had borrowed $150,000. And he went to 78 music concerts last year and was eating out a lot. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to have to cut down on the number of concerts I see. 
So the, the statistics, I think it depends on where they come from. So I'm like you. When I, when I read these statistics about, well, we're not going to be able to save as much from retirement, so almost always, and I don't remember where this survey come, came from, but I'll bet 50 cents that it came from someone who has a vested interest yes. in entire retirement savings, right? Yes. They say, oh, well, we're going to be affected. Or you go to a borrower and say, well, you're going to have to make student loan payments. What does that mean for you? Well, I'm not happy. I have to cut out some of my under other spending. Uh, but when you look at the data underneath, and, and this is why I enjoy talking to you, because we, we can talk about this in real terms, not in soundbite terms. But like, let's just put the facts on the table, okay? There's about $1.6 trillion of student loan debt out there. That's a lot of debt. It's the second highest category debt. It's no question it's a big deal. But when the economists, and this are people like uh, Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase, and they, they wrote a whole bunch of papers in the last three weeks and a month about what this could mean. And, and here are the statistics that really matter. There are about 43 million student loan borrowers. About 30 million of them or so are going to be in repayment. Out of that 30 million, less than 10% of them actually owe $100,000 or more. So it's like less than 1% of the population, and mm, I don't know what it is, right. but I'm going, to, I'm going to also bet another 50 cents that a whole bunch of those are doctors who are making an awful lot of money, sure, right, to have sure. that much debt, right? So, th- so it's there. And, and they say that almost 50% of everyone who owes money to the government for student loans owes less than $40,000, which exactly squares up with, you say, uh, the statistic for – what is the average amount of debt that a borrower has outstanding across the whole country? It's around thirty-seven thousand or thirty-eight thousand or somewhere in there. So all the numbers kind of line up the same way. Um, so again, the, the last thing that the economists look at is like, what does it actually mean for the economy? Like, how how is this going to affect consumer spending? And so they went and they looked at like the average um, consumer at Amazon and Target. And that typical consumer is about 35 to 44. They're college educated. And so guess what? The Amazon and Target stocks are off a little bit. Now, J.C. Penney, another place where America shops, right? Only about 17% of their customer base has credit cards and student loans. So, again, the, the impact on the economy generally is targeted to be less than 0.8% of a reduction in what consumer spending will have to be to make these student loan payments. So, yeah, it's a lot of money, and if I owed that money and it was $1,000 a month or whatever it was, and I had to cut back and readjust my spending, I I wouldn't be happy either. Uh, But I I would be really surprised if this was like, you know, one of these sort of cataclysmic, Mm -hmm. the world's coming to an end because student loan borrowers are going to have to start making their payments again. And I'm going to say, finally, Uh, I'm happy this day has finally come. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll I'll give you another example. The the United Auto Workers strike is supposed to have way more of a negative effect on the economy uh, than the numbers you were just uh, you were just quoting. You know what? What's interesting is that I I collect information throughout the month, but when I know that you and I are going to be talking on the radio, and I keep coming across these, you know, the Biden Harris administration have officially launched the, and and I I'm starting to get them mixed up, so because it just seems like they're launching a new program every day, but uh, the we talked a little bit about this, and I want to make sure that we. Uh, I went over this information. The Savings on a Valuable Education, SAVE, uh, it aims to cancel 
117 billion in student loan debt for 3.4 million Americans. And you know, how, how does this work, and what was the the uh, the basis for for rolling this out? Yeah, and and so Bob, I'm going to have to say that um, that's yesterday's news. Yeah. Today's news. We'll get to yesterday's news. But today's news, literally, well, uh, is that the the president also announced nine billion dollars more yes. of student loans uh, reduction uh, yesterday to bring the total amount of these uh, cancellations to now 127 billion before we get to the save program. And so you're right. Um, it, it has become, um, if not a daily occurrence, um, certainly every other month or so, we're hearing about more work that's done. Um, and and in, the, in the first instance, and I've said this before, and I, and, I, and I truly believe in my heart that there were some student loan borrowers who did not get what they signed up for. And much of what we heard about this $9 billion that, that was announced the other day was around the fact that a whole bunch of people in what, who thought they qualified for the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, for a lot of technical reasons, they actually didn't qualify. So the, Fed, the, the Biden administration said, you know what, we're going to go back and fix that. So that's about $2.8 billion, about 51,000 borrowers. Um, then there's another uh, group um, in there. I'm sorry, that was the, the number is about 5.2 billion for the public service loan forgiveness. About 53,000 borrowers. They also had these income-driven repayment programs, same kind of thing, where people were in the wrong buckets, and that was about 2.8 billion, about 51,000 people. And then they had another 1.2 billion for 22,000 folks who were totally and permanently disabled. So, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say, okay, th- that is a fix of what was intended to be. That was the promise that was made to these borrowers. And for whatever reason, for technical reasons, they did not uh, come into compliance with the program, so they kind of fixed that. But let's go. Let's go on to what, what you identified the, the save program. Um, and uh, by the way, you're going to get a kick out of this. Bob. Last time we talked about this, uh, we kind of joked about you know who came up with this name. Was it a, you know a bunch of bureaucrats sitting <laughs> right. around? Or, so I was at one of these conferences, and sure enough, the leader of the student financial aid office said. Well, in fact, we had a group of us sitting around trying to figure out what the right name was. <laughs> so I couldn't help but think yeah. of you and, and that conversation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, proudly that... talking about this. <laughs> yes. You know, so what, it, it, what's, what's interesting, I don't mean to interrupt you, John. The, um, it seems like, and you, you tell me, but it seems like that Biden is, is getting his goal accomplished by just doing piece by piece, like putting a piece, like putting a puzzle together, and yep. and then when he gets down to election time, he's going to be able to add all those numbers up, whether they're true or not, <laughs> and and talk about how many people he's brought aid aid to, and how much uh, student loan debt he's gotten rid of. I mean, that's what seems like it's going on. Oh, I, I think you're right uh, again, Bob. And so, you know, so l- let's just do the math. Uh, One twenty-seven billion that's been canceled before the other day, and then I would you say the number is like one hundred fourteen billion or something like 117. that? One hundred seventeen. One hundred seventeen. All right. So, like, give me roughly sort of give me a rounding error to two hundred and fifty billion. Um, it's a little high, but you know that that's probably not a bad estimate. And he announced. Remember when we started this whole thing before the Supreme Court ruling and all that? He wanted about four hundred billion of total forgiveness. So he's going to get a pretty good part of the way there with these different programs. And so here, to your exact and right point, there was an announcement today that there's a very technical thing called negotiated rulemaking. 
where they sit around and decide what they're going to do. So they said, guess what? The Biden administration may, in fact, use the negotiated rulemaking to find more ways to cancel more student loan debt. Um, so you are exactly right about what the intention is. They're going to find their way to as close to $400 billion as they possibly can before now and the election. So national rulemaking or NRM is going to solve the problem, right? The negotiated rulemaking process is going to take <laughs> give us some more. <laughs> yeah, this this is you can't make this up. I guess is the only way I can. Uh, say you it. certainly can't make it up. So, uh, okay, enough of the student loan. We're we're going to jump to more important things. Let's talk a little bit about enrollment. And and by the way, I want to say one of the great advantages of and what a blessing to have you on the program is that. You, you're privy to information that, that you don't read in, in, in the papers and don't read in, in the financial media and uh, with, with your daily travels and what you do. So it's always very appreciated, John. The uh, enrollment in U.S. colleges and universities, statistics show, have sharply declined over the last decade. So and we've talked a little bit about this, about enrollment going down. This is no big surprise. But what it's an interesting this uh, a report from myelearningworld.com found that even though college enrollment has dropped by 14.4 percent since 2013, colleges and universities are still ma- raking in 5.6 percent more in tuition revenue from students. And so some of the a couple of these statistics: college enrollment is down 2.9 million students over the last decade. And total annual revenue for U.S. colleges from tuition and fees has increased by at least $15.2 billion over the last decade. Can you make sense of that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I think. I don't know that I can make sense of that. But, uh, again, it, it, it goes back to the devil is in the details yes, and sure. how you're compiling the statistics, right? So there's also a statistic out there, um, and it's not going to be exactly right, but it's going to be sort of directionally accurate, that a big chunk of the reduction in the enrollment, particularly during the pandemic, was at the community colleges, right? So the community colleges got whacked really hard. State budgets were really tough, so there was not um, a lot of funding there. And a lot of the community college students, and I, I want I wanted to say like something like a third, Bob, but I, I don't know that for sure. But that's, that's what's in my mind. Something like a, there was almost a drop between 25 and 30% enrollment in some of those community colleges as students worked their way through the pandemic. And when we say student, we're talking about the non-traditional student. Someone's out of school, something's happened, they want to go back, and now they say, I want to go and actually get a degree. So they go to the community college. And you know, also some of these community colleges are – like the old days, we used to call them like technical colleges, right, where you want to go get a welding degree or something like that, where you can go and get retrained that way. So um, community college is a big part of that, and there was a big, big reduction of enrollment in those programs. While all that was going on, the elite, selective, highly selective private schools were raising their tuition still, right? So you could see a reduction in the number of students, I'm going to say, at the lower cost community college schools, um, and, and, and an enrollment at the elite schools, the, the big expensive schools, stayed pretty steady. Um, so with those tuition increases, I could make an argument that that's what drove the price up aggregately when you look at the statistics mm-hmm. across right. the board. 
Um, you know, it, it's it's really it's really interesting. Um, there, there's another story out there, Bob, that that I think um, I'd like to just spend two minutes on sure, uh, sure. because I think this is the this is like the biggest thing that's gone on after the uh, student loan restart, and that is that every year, and we talked a little bit about this last time. You know, uh, you have to fill out the free application for federal yes. student aid, <clears throat> right? The FAFSA mm-hmm. form to yes. get any kind of federal aid. Um, your your uh, older son filled it out on October 1 or thereabouts, so you helped him with that. Guess what? This year, the form is not available. So there's no way at this moment for a student in high school or a freshman, sophomore, or junior in college who need financial aid next year to know what they're going to be eligible for. And I think this is – I call this the FAFSA fiasco. <laughs> Um, and it hasn't been talked much about yeah. because of the whole right. cover of the student loans, right? So what's happening is that sometime in December, and in one of these conferences, again, this leader of the of the, of the student financial aid office said, um, we're going to put the form out sometime in December. So I asked him I, in, the, in, the, in the big form. I stood up and said, can you tell us, sir, please, <laughs> on what date, on what date will the Department of Education be able to tell us what date? the FAFSA form will be available so these kids can fill out their forms. And then he spent 10 minutes talking about how it's not an existential crisis, that they're doing the best they can, it's very complicated. But at the end of the day, Bob, they have not announced a date that high school seniors and those kids in college who need financial aid next year are going to be able to have access to that form. And I think it's a travesty. Um, So what we've done at MyCollegeCorner.com is we've posted – um, an article on this, and also a calculator that simulates what the federal government formula will be so students can get an idea of what their number might be. Right? This is not the official calculation, but we used all of the methodology that the, the federal government put out there. So these numbers are good, solid numbers. And um, I'll, I'll say this is sort of a point of pride. Um, the federal government put their SAI calculator, Student Aid Index Calculator, up last week, and then they took it down two days later. Um, and some folks who we worked with compared our numbers to theirs and our numbers to another calculator out there and said, hey, guess what? Your numbers and the other guy's numbers are about the same, but the Department of Education's numbers are kind of different. We bet that you're right. Um, and so, uh, again, <laughs> this is something I don't want to be right about, but sure. uh, I have to tell you, uh, it is. The, the last thing I'll say, and, and I will send this to you, um, we're going to host a free webinar uh, called uh, is the is this is it a FAFSA fiasco? What this means for your family? We're going to do this on October seventeenth at seven o'clock Eastern. I'll send you the invitation. Please post it, and your listeners are more than welcome to come. I have two experts with me uh, who I very much respect in this field, and we just want to put some real good, clean, solid information out there about what this delay means what parents and students can be doing right now to actually get ready for when the form comes out, and then talk a little bit more about how this number, the student aid index, is going to be played out in the financial aid award process for this next year. You know, it, it's, it's scary, John. Yeah, I mean, you know, think, of, think about the people who are just in, you know, the seniors with, with all this uncertainty. And uh, what, what I want to make sure and point out a couple things. The first, the first thing is, we don't really talk about your background, but you're, this this is what you're built to do to build to build these uh, these simulators and software programs. I'm, and uh, so definitely go check that out. That's at mycollegecorner.com, and there is a lot of great 
great information at the website that uh, if, if you've got a student that's a senior or even a junior and you're starting to think about this and starting to look into it. And, and uh, the first time I talked to John about this, he, he, I asked him when I should start looking into all this for my oldest at the time. And he said, well, when he's a freshman. <laughs> so I was a couple, couple of years late on that. But um, a lot of information, mycollegecorner.com. And you need, need to go check that out because it is, there's just so many moving parts. And the other thing, too, that, that really concerns me, John, is that how much information is going to be inaccurate. Yes, and, and, and that is that's a big thing. And what they've tried to do, Bob, and, and this is one of the, uh, I think I'm going to say advancements, but this is also a little scary because there's another one. Trust me, I'm from the IRS. I'm here to help you. <laughs> um, but what they've done in, for the new FAFSA form, when it's finally released, there's going to be an automatic um, data retrieval to the income taxes to try to cut down on those errors. So, you know, the, not to get too far in the weeds here, but for students who are going to apply for financial aid for the next academic year, so that's academic year 24, 25, starts sort of like August next year in, in 2024, the tax form that you would use is the 2022 tax form. Right. And so what's mm, good right. about this is that the federal government is now connecting the dots and saying, you know, if you're applying and you have to use your tax information, we're going to make it easy for you to retrieve it to try to cut down on the number of errors. Uh, but having said that, it's absolutely one of the big issues and why people have if issues around how much financial aid they're eligible for is that they had errors on their FAFSA form, okay. which you can't correct, but you're a lot better off trying to get it done right out of the box. No question. Well, John, send me that information. That's the, the cue to get off, but uh, send me the information and we will definitely make sure that's well promoted. Will do. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, John. This is Bob Brooks. You are listening to prudentmoney.com. If you got any questions, please go to the website. Keep the faith. Have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money. Prudent